0: Well, good morning. My name is Tim. I'm the pastor here. If you are new with us, I just want to welcome you. I'm glad that you made it to church today. Glad that you're here with us. And and we're excited today to start a new series uh, called The Blessed Life. And and we're going to be looking at lots of different things in the Sermon on the Mount as we launch into this series. Uh, But I want you to know about a few things, especially if you are new to this. Uh, One is you should have gotten a bulletin. If you guys got this, could you hold it up and prove to me you got it? Let me know. There you go. Some of you guys got this bulletin, Uh, and uh, if you'll open it up, we can just do this together. Uh, You'll see on the inside of that, the very inside part, there's a section where you can take notes on the sermons, you can take in what we're talking about today and take that home with you. Brad mentioned it earlier, on the right-hand side, uh, there's a connect card that is perforated, and you can tear that off. Right after the sermon, we do an offering, and if you're new with us, uh, you can give if you would like, but we'd love for you instead just to put this connect card in that offering bucket that passes you by. And we love to get you connected to what God is doing in and through his church. And uh, one of the ways we do that is invite you to starting point. Starting point is really a first step to explore who this uh, church is, what we do as a church, and how you can be a part of that. We're going to do that September 24th, so if you'll sign up for that, you can check starting point on that Connect card, drop it in, and we'd love to give you more details about that. Another thing that's really cool and I'm excited about for this series is inside this bulletin, you also received a verse card, and it looks fancy, right? It looks really nice. Our graphic designer, Nathan Thomas, did a fantastic job with this. And here's what we're going to do. Every week of this series... We're going to give you a verse, a significant verse from the passage we talked about on a Sunday that we want you to take home, put on your dash, put on your mirror, uh, put somewhere where you're going to see it and, and memorize it and meditate on this truth. Because the reality is this, and it's true for all people, is that what we think about is what we care about. And what we care about is what we chase after and what we pursue after. And the reality is, an hour on a Sunday of thinking about the truth of Jesus is not enough. Right? You need this before you, daily, uh, throughout your day, every second, every hour, be thinking about the truth of Jesus. Because there's so many other uh, false truths that are coming at you every single day. And so we want you to think about Jesus. And this is one simple way to do that. So that you'll care about Jesus. So that you'll pursue Jesus. Jesus. And so each week you're going to get a verse similar to this and, and take advantage of that. If you didn't get one for some reason, I think they're at the Connect desk and there's more of them for you back there. Uh, the last thing today as we kick off this series is we're doing lunch together at Angel's Trumpet. Angel's Trumpet is downtown. My family and I will be there and, and this is just a, a way to facilitate a connection uh, for you, specifically if you're new and you're thinking, I don't really know anybody. Well, you need to eat lunch. Okay. Everybody needs to eat lunch, so head over to Angel's Trumpet after this. We would love, just so you know, uh, we would love for you to do this every Sunday on your own, Uh, but there'll be some times we help facilitate that and say, hey, go to this place at this time right after church, and so do that today. We'd love to meet you there. Now, as we talk about the the blessed life, uh, you need to know, first and foremost, that everybody's in search of this. This is a, a universal pursuit. Now, people may not describe it as the blessed life. Uh, They may not define the blessed life the way we as Christians define it, but everybody in our world is searching after this blessed life, that it's like a key, that everybody's looking for this key that they hope, will, if they just wiggle it around correctly, it'll unlock blessing and meaning, fulfillment in their life. I know at my house, uh, we have different keys lying around, and sometimes my my toddler, my two-year-old, will bring us one of these keys. Right? And so when she comes up, she'll have the key in her hand, and she's real excited about it, right? And she'll bring us this key, and, she'll, and, and we'll say to her, uh, Tanavi, where'd you get that key? And she'll just say, my key. And I'm like, okay, it, it's not your key, but okay. Uh, but where, where did you get the key? And she said, I found the key. And I said, no, where? Where did you find the key? And eventually, we just give up, right, because she's two. And that's just not gonna go anywhere, parents, you know that. And so, what do we do? And I think all of you guys have done this before. What do we do with that key? Do we put it on a keychain? Do we throw it out? No, here's what we do we go to that drawer. You guys have this drawer? We go to that drawer, the junk drawer in our house, and we put the key in the drawer. Because we think one day I'm gonna find the lock that goes with that key. And I don't know, it's gonna be a treasure chest? Or something amazing, and so I'm going to hold on to it. I'm going to put it away and store it away, and one day we're going to pull it out and unlock something, and it's going to be amazing, right? And we hold on to that key, thinking one day it will fit. Listen, here's what I know about you, and here's what I know about me, is we don't just do that with actual keys. We do that with keys in life, keys of success, keys of approval, keys of our career, keys of our family keys of what our kids are going to grow up and be like, and how they're going to go to college, and and all the things that they're going to do in life, and and these keys. And we think, I I don't think today this will unlock happiness. We're we're real enough to know that. Like, all of us could say that. I don't know if today this is going to bring blessing or fulfillment in my life, but one day, I'm going to store it away, I'm going to hold on to it, and one day it will unlock the key to happiness in my life. And all of us are in that boat. Maybe it's different things for you than me. and Maybe it's different things for us than than people in the world. But but it's all this idea of I'm going to hold on to this because it will bring blessing. Well, over the next few weeks, we're going to get into that. And I think if you'll stick with us in this series, you're going to get a new meaning of what blessing actually is. And you're going to realize the key to unlock it, but it's going to be way different than you think. And we're going to do all of this in the Sermon on the Mount. It's, it's called the Sermon on the Mount because Jesus, you see it in verse 1, there's lots of crowds of people, and Jesus goes up on a mountain to teach. And it's a long sermon. It lasts from Matthew 5 through Matthew 7, and it's one of the most famous sermons in history. One commentator I read said this, that, it, that it's the most popular sermon, but it's the least understood sermon, and it's the least obeyed sermon. And you're going to see more of why that is as we go through this series. It's going to be a lot of fun because Jesus says some crazy things, some things that are opposite to our nature. So it's the most popular sermon ever, but it's often the least understood and the least obeyed. And what we look at today is is the blessing part of this sermon. But again, it starts out in verse one. If you have a Bible, look at it with me. If you don't have a Bible, grab an app, uh, look on the screen as well. It says this, seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and it says he opened his mouth and taught them. Now, if you read that, maybe you think, well, that's kind of obvious, Matthew. Thank you for that. Like, how else would you teach unless you opened your mouth, right? Well, the reality is Jesus has been teaching a lot through miracles, through acts of service, without ever opening his mouth, right? But he's emphasizing Something's about to happen. Something significant is about to come out of his mouth and teach us about some very significant things. And we see that, uh, a preview of that in chapter 4, verse 17. You don't have to turn there, but just listen. It says this. This is right before Matthew chapter 5. It says, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now that statement... And what Jesus began to open his mouth and teach would make significant waves in this culture. Now maybe it doesn't do that for you. Maybe it doesn't even strike you that deeply, but you need to know it would have for these people. That Jesus has been healing people. He's got a huge crowd following him at this point. He's called his disciples. But now he begins to open his mouth and talk about the kingdom. Now, why is that significant? Well, the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is this, it's the rule, or the realm, or the reign of God, and when Jesus says the kingdom is at hand, he's saying the king is here, and so the kingdom is at hand, and so people are looking at that, and do I agree with that, is this the kingdom that we've all heard about, Is this the king? Is he really here? Is it really at hand? And they're starting to see him heal all these people. So it seems like, man, I've never seen anybody heal people like this. I've never seen anybody talk like this. But he's drawing a crowd and he's making waves. And it all revolves around this idea of the kingdom. And you need to know, as we look at Matthew chapter 5 through 7, over the next few months in total, it's about the kingdom of God. Jesus is describing what the kingdom is like. The king is describing the kingdom. Christ is describing Christianity. If you're new to church or new to Jesus, we love it that you're here. This is the perfect time to come to learn about what is this all about? What is Jesus all about? What does he want in his kingdom? Not just on heaven, but this kingdom that's at hand, that's come to earth. And he starts this description off of what that is with blessing you see it in the text blessed are blessed are there's eight blesseds in this little section they're known as the beatitudes maybe you've heard that word before beatitudes is just a latin word that means blessing very famous it's often quoted by people and people who aren't even christians at all they just quote these blessings and jesus begins to roll out the kingdom as he rolls out the blessed life and we're going to talk a lot about the blessed life over the next few weeks so we need to make sure we know what this means we need to make sure we know what this means because you hear the word blessed a lot, don't you? You, you see it in Barnes & Noble a lot, don't you? You see some seven steps to the blessed life or a recipe for the blessed life. What are they talking about? You see it on social media with hashtag blessed, right? When you get a new haircut, a new do, hashtag blessed, Right, when you get a new car, hashtag blessed. When you're on vacation at the beach in San Diego while the rest of us are suffering in Phoenix. And you just show your feet in the sand, you know that picture? And you're like, hashtag blessed. And what you're really saying, let's be, be honest about that for a second. What you're really saying in that moment, moment is, haha, suckers. <laughs> like, don't you wish you were where I was? I, I saw it recently with LeBron James. He's hashtag blessed for sure, right? LeBron James just standing on the beach looking real swole, right? Just, I don't know who, t- who takes those pictures, by the way. I don't know. But he's standing there looking real swole and he said, hashtag blessed. So is that the blessed life? Is it the books that you read about in Barnes & Noble? Is it the seven steps or the recipe in the magazine, Cosmopolitan Self? Well, is that the blessed life? What is the blessed life? The first question we're going to answer as we start this series over the next few weeks, the word blessed, if you look at this text and if you look at the Bible, in the original language means happy. It means happy. Now that, that's a little bit hard for us to comprehend in our culture because just like blessed, we use happy all the time, right? Like we get a caramel macchiato with two shots of espresso and we're like, this makes me happy. And so we look at, well, blessed, it just means happy. I mean, I I drink caramel macchiatos like it's going out of business. Like, I, I, I don't know that I get the weight of that. What's Jesus really talking about? Well, in the original language, it's a compound Greek word. And so it doesn't just mean happy like we know of it. It's a compound Greek word. And the first part means exceedingly long or profoundly happy. So... What we know about this blessing is it's not just sitting on the beach. Right? That's a blessing. That's a gift from God. Do your thing at the beach, right? Maybe don't take a picture and say hashtag blessed, but do that thing. That, that's part of blessing, but it's way more than that. When I mean, you get material possessions, that, that can be a blessing because everything is a gift from God. Those things aren't bad. They're just not ultimate. Do you see it? That the blessing Jesus is describing is exceedingly long, it's profound, and it's independent of your circumstances. So whether you get the new haircut, or you get the new car, or you get the new dog, or you're at the beach, or you're in Phoenix, whatever you're doing, whatever your circumstances are, you can be blessed internally, eternally, profoundly, with a lasting happiness, It's independent of your circumstances. So it's not less than our happiness. It's more than we experience. And the second thing we see about this blessed life, that this is our present state. This profound and lasting happiness is present. Notice uh, what it says in the text. It says, blessed are, not blessed shall be. You see that? Blessed are, blessed are, not blessed shall be. What Jesus is describing isn't some key that will one day unlock the happiness. What Jesus is describing is a blessing, a a profound happiness that's available to you, not one day, but today. And so it's a profound happiness, a lasting happiness, and it's one we experience today. And the third thing we see about this blessing is that it's a privilege and promise for kingdom citizens only. It's exclusive. Not everyone will be blessed like this. How do we know that? Well, he describes the type of people who will, who are. And so it's an exclusive blessing for these type of kingdom citizens, but it's not like the honor society is exclusive. And some of you, that rubs the wrong way as you hear about, well, it's exclusive. Like, doesn't Jesus love everybody? Like, why has it got to be exclusive? Shouldn't everybody have the opportunity to be blessed? what we see is there's some, there's some types of people that blessed are these types of people and these types of people, that these are the kingdom citizens who are blessed. But it's not exclusive like you might think. Right? It's not your resume that gets you in this. It's something else, and we see it as we get into the passage. What kind of person is blessed? That's our next question. The first point you see right off the bat is, is people in need. Look at verse three with me. It says, blessed are the poor in spirit. And so this is not poor monetarily, but poor spiritually. It's the idea that we are spiritually bankrupt before God, that we look at the holiness of God, the love of God, the perfection of God, and then we look at ourselves and we look internally and we see we have nothing to bring to the table. It's like the hymn we're gonna sing a little bit later in the service. Nothing in my hand I bring, only to the cross I cling. That as Jesus defines blessing as this lasting happiness, and it's exclusive to certain kinds of people, the very first kind of person is poor, poor in spirit, spiritually bankrupt, has nothing to bring to the table. So it's exclusive, but it's available to anyone who's able to realize nothing of my merit will get me there. So it's not a club you join. Because you're awesome or because you grew up going to church or because you know a lot of theology, right? The qualification as we start off with this foundation of blessing is spiritually poor, spiritually bankrupt. You see, here's the key to blessing. You ready for it? Here's the key that's going to unlock all the blessings in your life. It's the realization that you don't have the key to blessing. Do you see it? You don't have the key. And so your career and your promotion and however you can excel in that and as a man be the provider of your home, that's not the key to blessing. You can't attain it. That that your success at home and with your kids and what they're going to grow up to be one day and their 40 time, that's not the key to success or blessing, right? Because you don't have the key. And so approval from your friends and finding the right friends or getting enough pleasure and you think maybe that's the key, it won't fit. Because the first key to blessing is realizing you don't possess the key that Jesus does. D.A. Carson, an author and theologian, said this. He said, the kingdom of heaven is not given on the basis of race, earned merits, the military zeal and prowess of zealots. Or the wealth of a Zacchaeus. Listen, it's given to the poor, the despised, publicans, the prostitutes, those who are so poor they know they can offer nothing and they don't even try. They cry for mercy and they alone are heard. You see, for the Christian victory is found in surrender. For the Christian victory looks like this open handed before God, I have nothing to offer. Nothing in my hand I bring. Only to your cross I cling. And so this this blessing is exclusive for a certain type of person. It's the person who realizes I have nothing. That when you come to grips with this, that you say, I am not enough. That that gets you to the point where you can say, well, I need God. That as you get to this point of spiritual bankruptcy, that you're able to say, I can't do this. Have you ever said that? I I can't do this. I can't follow Jesus. I can't be the husband or the wife I should be. I can't be the, the friend that I should be or the student that I should be. Like, I can't do this. Have you ever come to that point? Then you're blessed. Because it's at that moment where you realize, I can't do this. I'm not enough, but Jesus is. And that's when you start to experience the blessed life. That's what Jesus is laying out in the blessed life. And listen, I don't know if you'll see that on Instagram. I don't know if you'll see that in a self-talk or a self-help book. I don't know if it'll be there, but it's what Jesus has in store for you in regard to blessing. It's a profound happiness to realize this isn't up to me. I can't do this, but Jesus did. So some of you showed up this morning, and if you're honest, you quietly said to yourself, am I enough? Am I enough to be here right now? Man, I don't look like the rest of these people. I mean, Tim, you don't understand what I've done, where I've been. Like, I don't know if I belong here, and some of you wondered, am I enough? Some of you wondered, as fathers, like, am I enough? I'm a father of three kids, and, and let me tell you, it's the most humbling thing I've ever done in my life, and there's times where I wonder personally, like, am I enough for them? I mean, they need a lot, and I'm not just talking about hygiene, right? They need the Holy Spirit, and I realize I can't do that. Like, they need Jesus, and I realize I can teach them, and I can show them, but I can't ultimately give them Jesus. They have to trust him themselves, and I realize they need to go to school, and they need to learn things, and I realize, am I enough? Like, like as a father, am I enough? As a as an employee, am I enough? As a friend, am I enough? Like, can I do this? And some of you walked in here wondering, am I enough? Like, have I come to church enough? Do I know my Bible enough? You ever wonder that? Did you wonder that today? Listen, can I just free you from wondering that any longer? You're not enough. Amen? we should celebrate that. We're not enough, but we're connected to the one who is. That the perfect life of Jesus was lived on your behalf. That when you weren't enough, he went to the cross for you, knowing, listen, knowing you wouldn't be enough. As a father, as a mother, an employee, as a friend, as a a coworker, he knew you wouldn't be enough and he died for you in your place. Because you would never be enough. And so he gave himself for you, and he didn't stay dead. He rose again in victory so you could live in victory over sin and over Satan, even when you don't feel like you're enough. Because he's enough for you. And so therefore, Jesus can say something scandalous and radical like, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. Because he knows Who he is and what he's ultimately offering in his kingdom. I think one way we should apply this, one simple way, is prayer. It's just praying for one another and asking for prayer. Uh, A few months ago, uh, around Father's Day, we we, at the end of the sermon, we said, Hey, take that Connect card that we mentioned, tear it off. And on the back, there's prayer requests. And we ask you guys to, to write down prayer requests. And I got to pray for you and thank you for letting me pray for you and being vulnerable enough to ask for for prayer. And I prayed for you, just so you know. I, I prayed for you. I prayed for you all the time, but it was helpful to pray for specifics. And listen, that was a few months ago. And I think if I counted right at the time, we had 10 cards come in. And I thought about it that time, and I thought about it as I was looking at this this week. Poor in spirit, realizing we're in need before God. We should ask for prayer. More than once Sunday a year, right? I mean, the reality is, as I looked at those prayer requests, people were in need. They were hurting physically. Some of them were hurting spiritually. They were in a season of doubt. Some of them had lost someone. Some of them had just said, hey, I'm not the father, the mother I want to be, but I I need help with that. Can you pray for me that people were in need? They were hurting. And so listen, what I began to wonder was, is this the only Sunday they ask for prayer? When we push really hard for it and we say, hey, fill out this connect card, tear it off, drop it in the offering. Is this the only time these people who are hurting and in need are asking for prayer? Are there other people in their life they're asking for prayer? Are there other Sundays and other Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays where they're asking for prayer for their need? Or is it just going unmet and undeclared? Are we just holding on to it in pride because we don't want to be poor in spirit? That's uncomfortable for us to admit, I need God, right? Will you pray for me in this area of my life? Listen, we don't push this every single Sunday, but every single Sunday, there's a tear-off in your bulletin. You can write prayer requests. You can submit them. Drop them in the offering. You don't have to put your name, and we'll pray for you that every single week we have groups, community groups, meeting throughout the valley, and they pray for one another. If you're not in one of those and you're thinking, well, I don't know if I have it all together, exactly. That's why you need to join a community group because you're in need. I don't have to know you to know that. We're all in need. And is it one Sunday a year that we ask for prayer? I mean, every Sunday the offering baskets should be full of connect cards asking for prayer. You don't have to put your name or your email, but there should be some people asking for prayer. There should be some people in our community groups asking for prayer because I know we're in need. I talk to some of you, I see our world. And listen, the need could just simply be, hey, my my neighbor doesn't know Jesus. Will you pray for him? Your life doesn't have to always be jacked up, okay? You could just pray for mission and pray that God would use you. Because we're poor in spirit. Blessed are those who think this way, who live this way, who ask for prayer this way, for theirs is the kingdom. This is the foundation to blessing. If you don't get this, you're not going to get anything else that we're going to look at in the series. If you're not willing to come to grips with, I'm poor in spirit, I don't have anything to offer, none of this will make sense. But if you get this, then a lot of things will make sense, and that's our second Point of what kind of person is blessed, it's people who respond appropriately to their need. Verses four and five, that we mourn, we mourn and we're meek. Verse four, look at that verse. You see, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. L- listen, our world is hurting. There is division, there is violence, there is hate, there is racism, there's conflict, there's tension, there's financial trouble, there's war. There's terrorism. Do I need to go on? Our world is hurting. But it's not just vague our world is hurting out there. Like our world is hurting in here. As I mentioned, all of us are in need. And so there's sin, there's sickness and strife that enters into this room and enters into our body here at Phoenix Bible Church. I think about one guy physically who's hurting in our church right now who's had multiple bouts with cancer named Ron Gross. Some of you know that guy. And just last week, he had to go back for another test on his bladder, and they find they found tiny little tumors again that are cancerous. And so he texted me, and it's just like, hey, they, they found it again. This is kind of frustrating. And if you know Ron, you get that because he's, he's in his 60s, but he's just like, I'm not going to let this hold me down, right? He keeps going. He keeps persevering. And he's like, this is just kind of frustrating. Do you think some people could come over and pray for me, poor in spirit, right? And he asked for that. And so we're praying for him. I would encourage you to to pray for him. And so our world is hurting, we are hurting. And you need to know, as we look at those type of things, as we look at Ron's cancer, as we look at the sin that exists in our church, the conflict, the tension that exists in our church, the exhaustion that exists in our church, what exists in the world, the violence, the racism, as you look at your newsfeed, you need to know that if your first response in all of that is to defend and deflect and not mourn, you're doing it wrong. That we should, as, as believers in Jesus, that we should look at those things, that we should look at the sin, the sickness, and the strife that we experience, that our world experiences, and we should mourn. That blessed are those who mourn, happy profoundly happy are those who mourn. Now, you may be thinking, well, how do you connect the dots on that, Tim? How, how are people happy who mourn? Well, we see it in, in this text. We see that they shall be comforted, that everybody experiences this hurt, that everybody experiences this loss, this pain, but if you never mourn it, if you never, never allow other people to mourn it with you, you never experience that comfort. The comfort that we see in Psalm 34 that the Lord draws near to the brokenhearted. The comfort that we see in 2 Corinthians 1, 3, that that this supernatural comfort that, that God provides, that only he can provide, that it meets us in our affliction, and it comforts us in that way so that we're able to look at other people in their affliction and comfort them. And the reality is when we take time to mourn loss, hurt, pain, sin, sickness, and strife in our lives, in our world, when we mourn that, we're comforted. God draws near to us. It doesn't say that blessed are those who put a smile on it and fake it till they make it. It doesn't say blessed are those who ignore all the things that are going on in the world and just try to listen to positive, encouraging, K-love, and maybe it'll all go away. Like, it doesn't say that. It says blessed are those who, who mourn, who stop and say, man, that's, I'm so sad that it's happening for you right now. I'm so sad by what's going on in our world. I'm so sad, not just by our world, but my own sin. That saddens me to see my need. That blessed are you when you do that. Why? Because God comforts you in that moment. And it doesn't mean that we go around um, depressed all the time or, or, or mopey all the time or pointing out, well, somebody's like, well, it's a great day today. And you're like, but you, you know what's going on in Pakistan, right? Right? just try to bring you down a notch, right? It's not that. It's just the reality is when we see things that aren't right in our lives and the world, we mourn them. That we can be profoundly happy people, have a lasting happiness internally in our lives when we mourn. I I saw this when I visited a a couple in the hospital. Their uh, dad had had a stroke Early in life, really a surprising thing, and I went to the hospital expecting everyone to be devastated. The guy was in his 50s, and it was a shock to the system for everyone, right? I walk in, and the room is flooded with people, family and friends, and everybody was excited. And I thought, okay, I can get that. I've seen that a little bit before. Uh, But the wife, I mean, she's going to be, man, she's going to be bawling, and and just we're going to have to come around her and and hug her and, and pray for her. And I talked to the wife, and she was the most energetic lady I think I've ever met, right? Like, I was doing worse than she was. And I walk up to her, and I'm like, how are you doing? I mean, how can we pray for you? What can we do for you guys? And she was just like, you know what? Jesus has brought this into our life because he's going to heal him, and I'm confident of that, and I know that's going to happen, and more people are coming to know Jesus because of this and enter into the kingdom. And I'm like, man, hold up. Like, really? Is that real? And you see, the reality is this woman and this family has some of the best support system that I've ever seen that they had rented out a room in this hospital for all their family to fit, like not just a little room, like a big like banquet-type room, so that all their family and friends that were coming in and supporting them could be there. You see, she could be comforted and have joy in the midst of devastation because she had mourned that, and she had people around her to say, Hey, it's going to be okay. And so when I show up, she's, she's good. I mean, she's not good, but she's got a joy, an internal, eternal joy. Because mourning brings comfort and people around us that are allowed to enter into our lives and comfort us. And God, as he comforts us, that gives us lasting joy even when everything's not okay. And so we respond to our need appropriately and we're blessed in that. So we mourn. And then we're also meek that we're humble that, that nobody who realizes we're poor in spirit, that everything's not right, walks around arrogantly. That for Christians, there's no elites, right? On this stage, there's nobody who's elite. On bigger stages than this, and people who speak on television, and, and people who talk really eloquently and write books, that they're not elite either. That everybody's on the same playing field, everybody's poor in spirit, everybody mourns, and so we're... We're meek, we're humble. We have an accurate view of ourselves before a holy God. And so we're humble, and so we love others, and we serve others, and we bless others, no matter our position or our preference, right? And so some of you need to know this, just uh, confession time about me is I'm not perfect, right? I'm a pastor, but I'm a person. And some of you look at pastors and you think, well, man, he can say all this, but he's got some special ingredients, He's got some secret sauce, right? I mean, it's easy for him with his family and his friends and his life, and you need to know, and some of you know this because you've talked to me for 15 minutes, that I'm just like you, Now, maybe you're newer to church and that crushes you right now because you're like, he needs to have all the answers. He needs to have this secret sauce. And listen, I'm just gonna blow your expectations out of the water right now. I don't, but I'm going to proclaim and practice the one who does, the one who is perfect, the one who is elite, his name is Jesus Christ, right? And so the only thing that separates me from other people, the only thing that separates you from other people is you have been willing to acknowledge, I need God. I need help. I need a savior. I'm spiritually bankrupt. I'm crying out for mercy And God has met you in your need, and He has provided everything that you need in the cross of Jesus Christ. That's what separates you. That's the only thing that separates you. And so we're all humble. We're all on the same playing field. So we can all love each other, serve one another, and encourage one another. Nobody should be too proud to do that. And so we're meek. We mourn. We're poor in spirit. And if we're like that, Jesus says we're blessed. This is the blessed life. This is the kingdom lifestyle. You need to know, as we look at these, as we continue to look at these, these aren't the way to heaven. This is the way of heaven. Do you see the difference? This isn't just a code you type in that gets you into heaven. Okay, well, now I'm going to really try hard to be poor in spirit. I'm going to put on some humility, and I'm just going to really work this thing after church and be like, things aren't going well now that you say that. You know, that's, that's not what you do, right? Right? It's not a code you enter to get into heaven. This is the way of heaven. This is who you are. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. This is who you are in light of who Jesus is. And so as we look at these things, you don't try to muster them up. You realize you come to grips with these truths, these realities that Jesus is already saying about you. And you walk in that and you live in that and you pray for that. Blessed are you who experiences these things. This is the way of heaven. It's the way of heaven for now, for eternity. This is the way we live as kingdom citizens. It's it's the reason we can be bold. It's the reason we can speak truth and love to people and not be embarrassed or not be insecure. It's the reason we can be authentic and not be shocked by sin, but instead confess it and receive forgiveness. It's the reason when somebody confesses sin to you, your spouse, someone in your community group, a friend, when they confess sin to you, you don't have to be shocked. Because you should say, I already know that. I already know you're poor in spirit. I already know you don't have anything to offer. I'm not going to be shocked by that. I'm going to forgive you. And we begin to walk in these rhythms of reconciliation, of confession, and forgiveness, because we get this, blessed is the poor in spirit. It's the affects the way we love, that we declare and demonstrate the love of Jesus to as many people as possible, because we already know they need it. Right? That our heart breaks for people without Jesus. Because we know, I'm spiritually bankrupt, but praise God, I have Jesus. He has met me in my greatest need. You don't, so I'm going to declare him and demonstrate him to you at every chance I get. This is the way of the kingdom. It's the way of your life. You need to step into this rhythm this morning. And the first thing you got to do in order to do that is put away that other key. Throw that other key away. Now, it's not those material possessions are bad, not your job is bad, not that raising a family is bad, but you got to put that out of mind, out of sight, and realize there is no key that I'm trying to attain that will unlock the key to blessing, that will unlock blessing in my life. That the key to blessing is realizing you don't have the key. Jesus does. That you don't have anything to offer, but God's grace meets you in that moment and you experience joy. This is what I want for you. This is what I want for our church. Because if we can be honest for a second, we know this is true. I don't care where you are in life. You know that this is true. Maybe you've been walking with Jesus for a long time and you know you don't have the key. You're like, man, I've come to grips with that, Tim. Maybe you're new to church and, and, and you think, ah, okay, maybe those things won't provide blessing. I mean, I've tried a lot and they haven't fulfilled me. And you know that this is true. That's part of why you're here, right? That's part of why you're here. Maybe you don't fully realize that, but you're here because you know those keys don't unlock anything. And so will you just admit that today? Will you ask for prayer today? Will you pray today? Your response to all of this, my response to all of this as I studied it this week was like, that's really hard to be poor in spirit, to mourn, to be meek. That's really hard, but I want that. I wanna live like that. I wanna experience the way of heaven on the earth. And so will you just admit today, I don't have the key to blessing that Jesus holds all the keys and I'm gonna trust him and I'm gonna follow him and I'm gonna partner with other people who are on the same playing field and we're gonna do that together. Will you ask for prayer today? Will you drop that in the offering? Will you grab somebody as you take communion and say, hey, will you just pray with me? Listen, this is not hypothetical. Will you really do that? Will you take a step to experience the blessed life? We all want that. This is how Jesus says we experience it. Will you take a step in that today? Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for these people who can all come together and just say in unison that we need you. And I pray that this moment, as we respond, as we continue to worship you, would be that moment. We wouldn't miss the moment to say we need you and to see you move in and through and around our lives. God, help us. Give us the courage to say we have nothing. God, give us the the awareness to mourn what's going on in our lives and the lives of other people God give us the humility to be to be meek and to love and to serve others we can't do this we aren't enough but Jesus is help us to celebrate that the blessing of knowing Jesus, being found by him and being used by him for your glory and our joy. Father, help us. We desperately need it. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.